Glad y'all are here. We were singing this morning about Jesus coming back. Y'all believe he could come back soon? Amen. Me too. Um, that, that's awesome. When, when I was a teenager uh, and, and, uh, and the Lord, uh, that was the big issue, man. People were always talking about the second coming of Christ. And, and, uh, but I know this, 1 John 3 says, if we have that hope in us, we purify ourselves. Because he might come back in any minute. I'm kind of a last-minute person. Uh, you know, I just, I don't know, it's something weird. And my wife is the first-minute person. If there's a job due, she gets it done, so she doesn't have to worry about it. I just let it hang around, then I get it done. And, and that's kind of bad, and so we're, we're opposites in a lot of ways, but that helps. And so the way that plays out, and I think there are other men in here that would agree with me, like your wife takes a trip with her girlfriends or goes and visits her mom or does something, and she's coming home at Friday at 5. At 4, you start trying to straighten up the house, Right? A lot of people live their Christian life like that. Wondering, man, just before Jesus comes, I'm going to get it right. But the point is, you don't know when he's coming. I don't know when, nobody knows when he's coming. In fact, the way you can always tell the spirit of Satan and a liar is when they tell you when Jesus is coming back. Because Jesus said, I don't even know. He said, the Father has retained that knowledge for himself. Now, I don't know if Jesus knows now, but before he left to go back, that's what he told the disciples. He says, I don't even know right now. I just know this, you need to get out there and tell everybody about me, right? Isn't that the job? Amen. Well, that's what we find the apostles doing today. And, uh, and in fact, I want you to see there are gonna be, there's three products of faithful preaching. There's only three results you can get. And when I say that word preaching, you say, oh, good, I, I, I'm not a preacher, so I don't have to worry about it. But we use that term rather loosely. It, it, when I say preaching, I just mean proclaiming the gospel, telling people about Christ. Okay, you with me? All right, and uh, that's what the word actually means, is to share, to tell. Um, in the English word, uh, some uh, preacher took and, and, and divided it between the E and the A and said preaching is pre-aching. In other words, you got to know it before you can tell it. Okay, so you get into it first, and then it burdens you, and it, it, it gets on you, and it aches, it hurts, and you've got to share it. That's what Jeremiah the prophet said, I tried to be quiet, but you're... Your word was shut up like fire in my bones, and I couldn't help but to talk. Couldn't help but to tell the good news, tell the message of God. And that's how it ought to be for us, I believe. And uh, I, I tell you, we're still in, in the 72 hours of prayer. Some of y'all uh, signed up for this afternoon, going into this evening, and I really appreciate that. And I, I look forward, listen, if, if God did something for you during that prayer time, please come and share that. I think anytime uh, a big thing happens in our city, we as a church ought to be praying and then we ought to go get involved. So we've started doing the first thing. Next time, hopefully, we can get more involved and, and go minister to people who are coming into our town and, and share with them the love of Christ. So I, I hope that you have been praying. And uh, if you didn't, there's still, well, there's always opportunity to pray. But for those 72 hours of prayer, I hope that uh, you are indeed in the midst of that. But I, I want you to see that these guys were preaching and they got some results. I mean, and some of them were kind of violent. Some of them weren't so violent. So if you'll stand up with me. And uh, we're going to start reading in verse 33. We're going to go all the way to verse 42 of Acts chapter 5. And here's what it says. And uh, it starts off with, when they heard this. Well, what is this? Well, what had happened is the apostles had been arrested for preaching. And they put them in jail and said, we'll talk to you in the morning. And in the middle of the night, an angel released them and said, go back and keep preaching in the temple. So that's what they did. They went back to the temple. They were preaching. Next day, all the big, big wigs got together said, Okay, 
go get the guys. We're going we're to try them now. And they went to get them. And the door was locked. The guard was standing there. But there were no apostles in there. The 11 men were gone. And angels in the middle of the night had gotten them out without anybody knowing it. So they bring them. And they said, where are they? And somebody comes running and says, they're back in the temple preaching. And he said, well, go get them. And so they went in and said, would y'all please come with us? They didn't want to do it violently because they're afraid the people would get them. So they stand in front of them and stand them in front of them and they say, now quit talking about Jesus. Uh, we strictly charge you in verse 28 not to teach in this name. Notice that we were just singing about the name, weren't we? In this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood on us. And Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed, by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. They said, you're against God. We're on God's side. And we're not going to shut up about it. And so in verse 33, the Bible says, when they heard this, when they heard what Peter just said... They were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care that, uh, that what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Theudas rose up claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed And all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas, the Galilean, rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And when they left the presence of the council, then, I'm sorry, they left the, then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. There's that word again, the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ, the Messiah, is Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it teaches us. And I pray this day, Lord, that I might be a clean vessel, that you might speak through me to people's lives, to to the truth of your word. God, we pray that you would anoint uh, your word in our hearing, that we indeed might be able to share uh, in in, in the truth of your word. But Lord, in hearing and seeing and knowing the truth, may we seek and begin to obey what you call us to do. Lord, speak to our heart about our individual needs. I ask that, Father, for only you can do that in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you uh, that you gave to Jesus the authority to use the Holy Spirit. And thank you, Jesus, for pouring the Holy Spirit on us that we might have an eternal weight of glory locked away in these clay vessels. And Lord, we thank you for that, not only for the truth that we learn through that, but also that we know that heaven is our home and there's no doubt of that, that we have fellowship with you because of your death on the cross, your burial, your resurrection, and the gift of the Holy Spirit who leads us in all truth and teaches us about you. Give us this grace today 
And Lord, we bind our enemy Satan and all the demons of hell in Jesus' name. We ask that you camp your mightiest angels about this place. And Lord, may we have the freedom to hear from your spirit the words that you have for us. And we thank you. Amen. Thank you. Young, sit down. Here's, uh, here's what I want you to take home with you today. Uh, if you go ahead, just, just to kind of remember to sum up everything. There it is. If you don't get a reaction when you share the gospel, you did not do it right. Now, that's not always true. I'm going to go ahead and say, okay. I try to make a little statement to, to get, that you can kind of sum it up and remember. And, and it's not true that, you don't, that if you don't get a reaction, you didn't do it right. You could have done it right. And, and Satan has that person where they go, eh, I don't care. And that's, and that's a fact, so it doesn't seem, but that is a reaction. In fact, I'll talk about that reaction. It's the reaction Gamaliel had to some degree. He was like, oh, let's leave him alone. Don't worry about it. It's sort of a, a tolerance kind of a reaction. Well, you've got your belief and I've got mine. Because after all, all roads lead to Rome and all religions lead to heaven, right? So that's a tolerant reaction. And by the way, those were false statements. All roads don't lead to Rome because you can't drive there from here, right? Okay, that's number one. Number two, all religions are not the same. There's one religion that's different. That is Christianity, and it's not a religion. It's how God has established a relationship between his people and himself through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on a cross for our sin. Right? Everything else is man's attempts to get to know God or become God. That's all I got to know. That's the two things, all right? And everything will always lead to that. But anyway, but I want you to remember that. Because I believe that if we're sharing Jesus, people ha- will react. They'll respond because what you're telling them is an eternal truth from the Creator God. And if you're telling the, so, a, a mere mortal an eternal truth spoken and done by the eternal Creator God, something ought to happen. Right? Well, these guys, they got a severe reaction. And the, the first reaction they got was a reaction of anger. A reaction of anger. Tonight at CTI at 6 o'clock, uh, we're teaching a course called The Way of the Master. It's a way to share your faith. And uh, I wanted to get a little film clip of somebody being angry. And I went on YouTube and I, I found a bunch of film clips from The Way of the Master uh, folks. They, they produced a bunch of... Um, uh, films or TV shows, whatever term is best fitted there. And I found this one, and it's kind of a commercial to watch a 30-minute video where they have an angry atheist that they're talking to in the street. So would you watch this for a second? No. Just because one person does one bad thing does not mean that that person is characterized by the single bad action that they've done. And this is problem with Christianity. People try and put people in boxes. God commanded genocide of people multiple times in the Bible. You believe we are Celtic witches? That condone evil actions. For instance, in the Bible it says that if you rape a woman, you're allowed to marry her. How evil is that? To condone slavery against other people. I'm talking about all sorts of injustice. about 9% of wars were caused by religion. Then how dare you call me a liar? Don't say that I'm a liar because I'm lying. That is disgusting. It's despicable. Things about God promoting raping women. Somebody who, who, who commands a group of Jews to commit genocide against Syrians. Okay, let me ask you a question. That's not justice. I want to ask you a question. I'd like you to think of your answer. Okay. Did that happen? Yes. So God exists and he commanded the Jews? No. 
There wouldn't be people dying unreasonably of cancer and other preventable diseases because they can't afford to treat themselves. A real God, a just God, would never allow something like that to happen in some old book that's made up a fairy tale. Don't listen to this. That's insanity. And that's what you guys believe, and that's ridiculous. So that's a film clip for a 30-minute uh, show where they answer all those questions that that guy raised. I find, well, I found two things extremely interesting there besides the guy just being totally angry. And one is, he said, so you believe all that happened? Talking about all the stories he said in the Bible. And he said, yes. He said, so God is real and he's true. And he went, no. <laughs> and so you can't have it both ways. Either it's real or it's not. And if this is real, there are answers to the things, questions he raised. And the other was the woman who said we're Celtic witches. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting uh, in the week we're in. Uh, so it was kind of funny. So the, one of the first reactions you get is anger. And I, 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 that one's first because it's first in the text. But also, I think that when you witness, this is one reason people are afraid to witness. You're afraid somebody's going to get mad at you, right? A lot of times we have fears. Well, fear is what stops us from anything. And, uh, and you have to learn to be fearless, uh, as these apostles were. By the way, their lives on the line here. They know that. And, and they still just speak the truth. And uh, I, I, I said something this morning out loud, and I thought I wrote it down, and I didn't, but I should have. Um, and, and that is th- this, you are indispensable until God is done with you. In other words, I have a purpose and reason for being here. And the Bible says in Psalm 139, day of my death was written down before I was conceived. And so God has a purpose in my lifespan. And until that day comes, I am indispensable to God. I don't think I'm indispensable. There are a billion people that could do what I do and are probably better at it than I am uh, in this world. And that may be an exaggeration one way or the other. But I know this, until God is finished with me, I'm indispensable. And once he's done with me, I'm very dispensable. <laughs> in, in human terms, I'm going to leave. I'll see you all later, but I'm going. So what are you afraid of? If, if you don't witness and don't make anybody mad at you and you wrap yourself in bubble wrap and lock all your doors and put alarms on them and all that stuff, you're going to die. The way you get rid of the fear of death is get ready to die. And you get ready to die by knowing Christ because when you know him, you're already dead. Because if you're born once, you die twice. But if you're born twice, you only die once. So if you're born from your mom, you're going to die physically and spiritually in hell forever. Or if you're born twice, once by your mom and once by the Holy Spirit into salvation, I died there. I'm never going to die again. My body will die, but I'm not going to die. I'm gone. I'm just moving from here to heaven. And like I said, if you know the Lord, I'll see you later. Because for the Christian, there's no goodbye. There's only I'll see you later. Here, there, or in the air, I will see you later. Right? Right? Amen. So we don't have to be afraid. And so we're, but we're afraid people get angry at us. They're going to get angry anyway. They might as well hear the truth while they're getting angry. Right? But this is very interesting that these men get angry. It says in, 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 the, in the text here in 33, they heard this. They were enraged, it says in the, in the ESV. It's cut to the quick in, in some other versions. Um, it's trying to translate a word. That word cut is important there, and to the quick is important there. This word only appears one other place. It's Acts 7, 54, um, and it says this there, if I can get there. And when they heard these things, they were 
enraged and they ground their teeth at him. And this is just before they stoned Stephen. When Stephen told them about Christ, they were enraged. Again, same word. And they, they're going to stone Stephen. They're going to kill him. This word, cut to the quick, means to cut in half. It's like being separate. Your logic and thinking and everything is just separated from your physical body. You go, some people say they see red. Some people say they go black. But it's like you've lost control. You can't even think straight. And you're going to kill somebody. That's what this word means. Now, you probably are really nice people have never been there. Some of y'all are giggling, so you're with me. All right, I've been there. I've been that angry. I've been just outside of myself almost. Thankfully, nothing bad happened. Uh, If I'm yelling, I'm not mad. I'm just frustrated. I yell a lot. I just yell because I yell. I'm loud. I'm a loud person. But if I'm mad, I get quiet. If, If you think I'm irritated... And I'm yelling, I'm not. I'm just irritated. But if I'm angry and I go quiet, you might ought to be careful what you say or do next, okay? That's where these, these guys, though, they are just, oh, they are ready to kill this dude. Or not this dude, all 11 of them. And I want you to note the authorities, this hardened their hearts. Now, that is fascinating to me. You remember the two guys on the cross next to Jesus? I know you don't actually remember them, but do you remember the story? Everybody's standing around the cross, and of course Mary and John are there, and they're not yelling at Jesus anything ugly. But the soldiers and, and, the, and the Pharisees, Sadducees, they showed up, and they're, they're taunting him, and they're calling him names and all this stuff. And Jesus is hanging there naked and bleeding, and one th- there, he's got a thief on either side. These guys are convicted thieves. And one thief started going, oh, if you're God, why don't you come down and save yourself and us? And you remember the other guy? I like the other guy. The other guy said, what are you, an idiot? He didn't use that word, but I think in the Greek it was idiot. I'm not sure, but he said, are you nuts, man? Are you crazy? You and I are getting what we deserve. This man has done nothing deserving this. And then he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what did Jesus say? Today you'll be with me in paradise. Two guys in the same situation with two different reactions. You ever thought about that? You see, your circumstances don't dictate how you think and what you do. How much money you have doesn't dictate how you think or what you do. Your education doesn't dictate what you think and what you do. But is your heart tender toward God? That's what dictates it. Are you following me? Two guys in the exact same scene. Why is it marvelous to, marveling to me? Why is it weird to me that these guys are hardening their hearts and getting angry? Because they knew better. They did put Jesus to death. They knew they didn't steal the body. They knew those disciples didn't steal the body. They knew the Romans didn't steal the body because they paid them off to be quiet about it. And when Peter stands and says, you killed him, God raised him from the dead, they get mad. It's sort of like, what are you getting mad about? I just said what you did, and you know you did it, and you know what happened. But their hearts are hard. They want to kill the messenger because they're trying to kill the message. Right? And they got very, very, very angry. Because the truth always enrages a believer of false belief. When you tell the truth to someone who has bought in and established their life on something that's not true, and you take that away from them... They get angry. That's why on that guy there, he's already mad. And that's Ray Comfort, the guy was talking back to him. And Ray Comfort says, so these things happen. He goes, yes. He said, so God is real. No. 
Because the guy's an atheist. And he's saying the things in the Bible happened and that God did all that. But then he claims to be an atheist. It's inconsistent. And all Ray Comfort did was just knock his, the blocks out from under where he was standing. You can't have it both ways, friend. Either God's not real and that's just the record of a bunch of crazy loons who thought they were talking to God. Or God is real and there's a purpose and a reason and an explanation for all that. Okay, just as long as you're with me. I just want to make sure you understand what I'm saying. So these, these, what had happened is these apostles had denied their doctrine by preaching the resurrection of Christ. Those guys especially were the Sadducees. They didn't believe in eternal life. They did not believe in a spirit world. Which again is odd, isn't it? I mean, this is so funny. You've got to be able to read the Bible with a sense of humor. They lock them up and an angel lets them out. And the Sadducees don't believe in angels. How'd they get out? Don't know, but it couldn't have been an angel. You ever heard an, an atheist argue like that? You ask an atheist where life came from, and they go, don't know, but it can't be God. I think an alien sowed life on the earth. The greatest atheist who wrote the, the most books that everybody recommends, actually, it's Richard Dawkins, I think is his name. Isn't that right? Isn't that his name? Somebody help me. Yeah, he, he I, saw it on film. They asked him, well, where did men come from? He said, I think aliens seeded life on, our, on this planet. Yeah, that's the question is where those guys come from. I don't know. So you would rather believe that in the distant past, some alien flew over the earth and dropped some sort of seeds of life on earth and then we evolved. Then believe that God, in the beginning, God spoke and it is. Go for it, man. You're the smartest guy in the world. All I'm saying is, good luck with that. It's crazy, isn't it? These apostles that denied their doctrine, they said Jesus rose from the dead. Well, we don't believe in that. Well, exhibit A. <laughs> Here's your sign. <laughs> He's up. He was walking around. We can go get 500 people. could tell you they saw him. This isn't one extra witness. These aren't witnesses who heard the apostles say they saw him. There's 500 people who did see him. Paul writes years later in Corinthians, there's still... 500 people, there's still a bunch of them still alive. You can go talk to them. They all saw him. There's, and by the way, psychologists have studied this and talked about this. There is no way that that many people can have a mass hallucination and all say the same thing. That is, that is impossible according to what we know about the human mind. Somebody would have gone, uh-uh, it didn't happen that way. But they all saw it and they all believed it. Number two, truth enrages the holder's of an immoral power. They held power over these people. And the apostles are denying their authority. By, pre- by preaching when they told them to be quiet. Don't you say this anymore. Okay. They went out. Preached about Jesus. Arrest them again. Don't you talk about this. Okay. Throw them in jail. Angel lets them out. Don't you talk about this. Why? You're the one killed him. God raised him for the dead. We're going to talk about it. They are enraged. Because they denied their authority. Tell them to be quiet. And also, it enrages and it creates that murderous spirit of Satan. Satan is all about killing and death. And God is all about life. Right? God is the God of life and of health and hope and, and healing. And by winning converts to, to Christ, these apostles are tearing out these other guys' power structure and their doctrine and all the things they're holding on to. And they are enraged and want to kill them. And then in steps a guy named Gamaliel. 
So there's anger, and Gamaliel we will use to show an example of tolerance. But there's some stuff going on between the lines here with Gamaliel that it looks like Gamaliel is at least thinking. All right? Now remember, the guys that are really mad are the Sadducees because they don't believe in life after death. That's why they're sad, you see. And, and so the Sadducees are that way. And then the Pharisees are guys, man, we believe the Old Testament and you got to do it. These are your fundamentalists of the Jewish religion. The law is the law and you got to do the law and you can't eat shrimp or, or crabs or, or, or rats. Nobody has trouble with that one. Um, or pork. You know, everybody wants me to keep Old Testament laws like what I wear and what, how I cut my hair and all and stuff like that. Well, you quit eating, you quit eating shrimp and bacon and we'll have a discussion. Or you wear 100% cotton or 100% wool, we'll have a discussion. As long as your clothes are blended and you're eating bacon, we got nothing to talk about. Just, just saying. People get all upset about that. Calm down. It's okay. Jesus fulfilled the law for us. It's, it's good. Now, I mean you can kill, steal, and do the things that we're not supposed to do morally, but you don't have to keep the diet laws anymore. But Gamaliel is the most respected teacher there. And, and I'll be honest, all these years reading the Bible, knowing this story, looking at it, I never paid that much attention to Gamaliel other than he got up and said something and everybody listened to him. Because you all know what he said, because I read it a minute ago, and before that you probably knew that Gamaliel stood up and goes, now wait a minute, if it's from God it's going to last, if it's not from God it's going to fail, so don't sweat it, let it go. And you'd be where I was. But here's the deal, Gamaliel's granddaddy is a guy named Hillel, H-I-L-L-E-L. And when you're a guy like me, I've read a lot of books, theology books, doctrine books, history books, and there's a guy that they quote a lot from ancient Jewish belief and about the time of Jesus, just before Jesus came, and his name is Hillel. He is the rabbi that taught all the rabbis about being a rabbi. That's Gamaliel's granddaddy. They called him Rabban instead of rabbi. Rabbi is teacher. Rabban is the senior teacher, the master teacher. The big cheese, the big kahuna. That's him. His grandson is uh, Gamaliel. I'm saying all these old names and my, like, my brain gets confused. Gamaliel, they gave him the same title. He is the leader of this council. And he's a Pharisee. He's not a Sadducee. And he stands up and goes, hold on there, boys. They're like, we can't, we can't yell at Gamaliel. <laughs> he's the man. I mean, he is the leader. He's the dude. He's not the high priest, but he leads the Sanhedrin. He leads this legal body. He's one of the greatest Jewish scholars in history. And whether he ever became a Christian or not, I don't know. Wouldn't know that uh, if he told me other than what God thinks. So we'll find out in heaven. But, but I will, will tell you this. Y'all know who his most famous student is, don't you? Yeah, exactly. That may come important later. You may want to write that down. You may see it again. He is the leader of the Sanhedrin. And he stands up. And you, I've read the speech. You, you, you know what he says. And, and, and the Bible even says he's a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people. I think these apostles knew who he was and they respected him. I don't think they would have talked back to him. They would have still told him the truth. But they would have been respectful of him. And, and what he says is, hey, and he gives two examples, remember? Uh, you heard me read it. Theudas 
and Judas. And these are just two guys. They're zealots. And the zealots were a group of people. They wanted to overthrow Rome. They wanted Israel uh, to be free again, to have their own political identity. They wanted to get rid of Rome. Good luck with that. Rome's ruling the world. There's no way they're going to get rid of Rome. And so these zealots, these guys would pop up and they'd get a bunch of people. And they were going to storm the castle and the Romans would go out there and kill them all. And okay. Then another guy would think he could do it and he'd pop up. Same thing's happening today, right? You know, they just start throwing bombs around in the Middle East and it's like... Somebody else is mad, and there's a group of 15 people think they're going to, you know, change the world by throwing hand grenades at somebody. And, and so it's just kind of crazy, really. And if you're one of those people, I'm sorry, I just called you crazy. But you and yours are crazy, man. It's, it's just crazy. And so he talks about them, but there's a difference between those two examples and Jesus, and that's what Gamaliel's telling them. Notice what he says. Both of these guys, he said, they got some followers. 400 people followed the guy. 400 out of millions followed him. That's not a lot. And he says, and he died. The Romans killed him. And what happened to all his followers? What happened to Judas' followers after they killed him? What happened to Jesus' followers after they killed him? They got united. And they all told the same story. And they're preaching that not only is he, did you kill him, but he ain't dead no more. And he ain't going to die again because he's gone to heaven because he is God. And the Holy Spirit bears witness to that with us. You're against God because you put him to death. And if you'll repent, you can be one of his. But as long as you hold on to what you're believing, you got no hope. And they're mad and Gabalan says, hold on. I got a feeling the Bible doesn't record it, and I, so I have no right to say this, but this is my crazy imagination going. Gamal says, guys, 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 you remember that guy and that guy? And look, what's going on with these guys? And anyway, you know you did kill him. And you know he did rise from the dead because we can't find him anywhere. Right? So when, but I don't think Gamal had to say that. When he said what he said, they went, wait a minute. And the logic returned, and so it calmed down their desire to kill, not fully, but Gamaliel, by the way, was okay with them being whipped. But he is the voice of belief in God's sovereign control. See, God will even use wicked or lost people and rulers to accomplish his will. Look at verse 38 and 39. So the present case, I tell you, stay away from these men, keep away from them. And let them alone, for if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God, so they took his advice. He, he, what he's saying is, I trust God, and if I'm wrong, God will be right. You know, the Bible teaches that. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. I, don't, I cannot communicate God's word with, a, with perfection. And neither can you. And so we trust in God to kind of fix what we mess up. And he does that. We, we see him do that. Uh, and, and, and none of us ever got it all. I mean, I've been, I've been, I've been here's, here's a shocking thing. I've been preaching 40 years. Much longer I'm going to take off my shoes to count that up. But 40 years I've been preaching. I've been walking with the Lord for, for 52 years. And, and every day, studying for this sermon, I'm learning new stuff. You never get it all. Amen? 
And when you think, when you, think you have, that's when you're going to mess up. My daddy taught me that about motorcycles when I was a little kid sitting on the bathroom counter while he shaved. He said, son, today you can handle a motorcycle, today you're going to fall down. But that was true in life. He was teaching me a life lesson. The day you think you can handle it is the day you're going to get whipped. Right? The details seem similar, but it's different in this case. And Gamaliel, he's just being tolerant. Let's, let's be tolerant. But he didn't have any trouble having these disciples beaten. By the way, the Bible, the brevity of language about the suffering that these men go through alarms me. Because this is a 39 lashes. 40 lashes save one is how they would say it. The only reason they didn't hit them 40 times is if they hit them 40 times and they died, it would be on them. That you killed a guy that you were supposed to only punish. But if they only hit him 39 times and he died, well, that was up to God. We didn't hit him 40 times, only 39. And that is, it was a legalistic thing. This is the same beating Jesus took before the cross. 39 lashes. Their bodies are torn apart and ripped up and skin open and bloody. And the Bible says, so they beat them, each 11 guys times 39 times. I'm sure it took more than one guard to do that. And it says, and they released them and they departed. What? I got a feeling you had to put them on a stretcher and carry them out of there. How did they get out? I don't know. They, the Bible doesn't tell us. That's just, I know, it's a weird thing. It won't add anything to your spiritual life. But I do want you to understand the beating these men took. It, it was horrendous. And Gamaliel had no trouble with that. He let them do it. He didn't say, don't, don't beat them. Just warn them again, let them go. No, he let them be beaten. But Gamaliel uses here a logic that is past, present, and future. See what happened to those guys? Look at this case. Let's look into the future and see what might happen. And he's using this logical thing to, to show that. There's a third reaction besides anger and tolerance, and it is acceptance. You accept the message of the cross. The example in this text is the apostles. It is the apostles. They, they accepted Christ as the Messiah. They accepted Jesus as the Christ, as the one that God had sent. They also, because they accepted that, they accepted the suffering they went through. The Bible says in Philippians, it's given to us not only to have the fellowship of, the, of his power, but the, also the fellowship of his suffering. That we suffer for Christ, we suffer with Christ. And I don't know, only in North America do we think that we're not supposed to suffer. For some reason, we just believe, well, that's just, you know, anybody, we, we're a compassionate people. I mean, that's part of what happened. We're just a compassionate people. We, we'll stop traffic to help a turtle across the road. You know? It's like, you're going to cause a wreck. Oh, we can't kill that turtle. Why? Will the other billion cry for him? I mean, there are plenty of turtles. Okay, now y'all are going to be really mad at me. But that's the kind of people we are, right? And when we see human suffering, man, we respond like crazy. But can, what that teaches us is, well, you're not supposed to suffer. And nowhere does the Bible teach that. In fact, it says you will suffer if you live godly for Christ. And notice about these apostles. It says they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor 
for the name. The name. For Jesus. For them it was an honor to be beaten like Jesus had been beaten. Wow. God let us be beaten like Jesus. We don't deserve to be beaten like Jesus. But we were. That was amazing. Thank you Lord for letting us be beaten like you were. For your sake. We come to church and it was a little chilly in the service today. Well, brother, so-and-so didn't even speak to me. Really? That's what you're going to complain about, huh? We call these first world problems. Because look at this building. It's gorgeous. Look at, you're sitting in a semi, I mean, I know you're not going to put a pew in your house to sit in, but it's not an uncomfortable place to sit. We do have climate control. When we get it right, it's perfect, right? You've got hundreds of people in here, and some people are hot, some people are cold. It's just that way. I'm hot-natured, so I'm always warm. I always want to cut it down more. But I see people freezing, so I don't do that. But it's a gorgeous building, and nobody's going to come through the door with a gun and threaten us. And if they did, Jim Ballou would shoot them anyway, so we don't have to worry about it. Right? If you don't know who Jim Ballou is, good. Because <laughs> I, I want him to catch you by surprise. Um, we don't worry about that. Right? And we whine and complain and our brothers and sisters are being put to death around the world. When we accept the gospel, we accept the consequences of living a Christian life. We don't get fire insurance so we don't go to hell when we die. We get a relationship with creator God and we're supposed to obey him totally, 100% for the rest of our life. And if he calls us to suffer, that's what we do. Now, he didn't call everybody in the Bible to suffer. He might not call you to suffer. And praise God for that. But I notice in Hebrews 11 in the Hall of Faith, and you ought to read that chapter maybe at least once a week, if not every day or every other day. You ought to read 1 Corinthians 13 one day and Hebrews 11 the next day and keep alternating. I don't do that, so when I say ought to, it's a good idea. Love chapter, faith chapter. And the faith chapter talks about, man, this hero did this, and this hero did that, and this hero did this, and this hero did that. And others were beaten imprisoned, wandered around in the wilderness, sawn in two, persecuted, chased, hungry, thirsty. And then you read this line, of whom this world was not worthy. God's highest opinion are for those who suffer for him. That doesn't mean you run out and try to get suffering. What I'm saying is he trusts suffering to his best. So let's quit thinking about how great we got it because we are blessed. No, you're blinded by stuff to not see the truth of the gospel. That's what happens to us. They accepted this task in the face of persecution. And I, I really got to get you to understand this. This moment is pivotal in Christianity. I, as I've studied this, I've become more and more and more convinced. I understand if Jesus hadn't have died, we couldn't be saved, all that. The, the gospel pivots on Christ. I understand. Don't, don't come and have a theological debate with me about that. But what I'm telling you is the development of the church and the understanding and what God is doing pivots on this event. And I'll give you my evidence for that. All 11 men are arrested at once. Say, so what? You ever watch those movies where they're going to do this elaborate, 
They're going to break into a facility that is not breakable into to free up a prisoner or to get some information. Or they're going to rescue the maiden in distress or whatever. Uh, like in The Princess Bride, have fun storming the castle. I mean, they're going to do something. And they're approaching the job. And somebody asks the leader, what's the plan? Where is it? And he goes, I got it all right here. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And then it goes horribly. And if you ever watched the A-Team back in the... 70s, I love it when a plan comes together. He never had a plan, it just happened, you know. It's kind of became a joke line. Love it when a plan comes together, it just happened, you know. These 11 men, this is early in the life of Christianity, it was all right here. They had walked with Christ, they're studying the Old Testament, they're applying what Christ taught, they're figuring it out, they're getting the doctrine of, the, of Christianity codified, straightened out, so we all understand it together. And if those 11 men had been put to death in that moment, the brain trust that God had given us would have been eliminated. And he would have had to start over. You think about that for a second. But now think about what these 11 men did. They were arrested, put in prison, an angel freed them. And if you read the backstory, which we preached on several weeks ago, the angel freed them and said, go back to the temple and keep preaching. And they said, okay. You just got arrested for doing that, and now you're being told to do it again. You call that insanity. But the angel told them, God told them to do that, and so they did it. They were obedient. They were obedient to what God told them to do. It would not have made any human sense. I mean, these apostles are better than Moses, because at least Moses went, are you crazy? (laughs) To God. You're asking me to talk? I've got a speech impediment. Yeah, let me show you how cool I am. Throw down your stick and became a snake. Pick it up. Lord, I can't talk so good. Now I think my hearing's going. Pick up a snake? No, I ain't doing that. You're not from around here, are you? We don't pick up snakes. God said, pick it up. When he picked it up, it turned back into a rod. And the next page says, and Moses left with the rod of God. Right? When God tells you to do something, it may not make human sense, but it always makes God sense. And he told them to go back and preach because God wanted them to be arrested again after showing his power to set them free, which should have given them some confidence. Hey, he freed us once, he can free us a hundred times. It doesn't matter. So they're rearrested, and knowing that these men are going to be mad, Peter looks them in the face and says, you killed him, and God raised him from the dead. Therefore, you're the enemy of God, but we've got the witness of the Holy Spirit. We are on God's side, and they want to kill them. Yet the apostles did it anyway. And if they had been disobedient to God, do you think God would have continued to bless? I don't know. I can't answer the what if questions. But I know this, that this is a pivotal point. That one little thing going wrong either direction and it's over. But it didn't go wrong, did it? You know why? Because God's got it. And he used Gamaliel to tell us, this is of God, you can't stop it. If it's not of God, it, it won't matter, it'll die of its own accord. Can you imagine that? God preaches through Gamaliel there. And these apostles, they, they, they were in a full group. It was very pivotal, but they were obedient. And the point of this whole thing for us is, if they can do it, you can do it. If God's telling you to talk to your neighbor, talk to your workmate, talk to your family... God's in it. He's got it. He'll take care of it. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about their reaction. You don't have to worry about anything. You just got to be faithful. And when you're faithful, God's going to do something big. 
So what can you do very practically this week? First of all, be willing to learn and live the facts of Christianity. Remember I said these, the Sadducees, they just lost their mind. They can't even think straight. And uh, to quote the great theologian uh, Spock, when you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. And Spock was quoting Sherlock Holmes, I found out later. And Gamaliel looked at it and went, we didn't take him, Romans didn't take him, they didn't take him. Is it possible he's alive? Hey guys, y'all better calm down a second. No matter how crazy it sounds, Jesus might actually have risen from the dead. I don't know if Gamaliel was convinced or not, but he had enough doubt. And by the way, two chapters later, Saul watches Stephen be put to death, the first martyr. Have you ever, you know those stories where the student of the teacher becomes a zealot for the teacher? Like he goes nuts with what the teacher's teaching. Teacher's teaching this and he takes it to an extreme. That's Saul and Gamaliel. Can you imagine Gamaliel the next day after this event sitting down with Saul going, man, I had a weird day yesterday. And you know there might be something to all this. And Saul going, what are you, a sellout or something? I thought you were the Jew of Jews. I thought you were the best teacher. I thought you were Rabon. And I get to sit here and now you're going back on everything you taught. No, no, calm down, Saul. I'm just saying. We are considered a possibility. No, we don't. No way. It's not going to happen. And then he watched Stephen stone. And then he starts persecuting the church. And later when Jesus knocks him down, because it's hard for you to keep rebelling against me, aren't you? Isn't it? I think he started working on him through Gamaliel. Personally, I don't know. You need to be willing to learn the facts of Christianity and live them out. People around you may get upset. You don't know the results. You may help see a Saul come to know Christ. Gamaliel is probably a part of Saul becoming a Christian. Definitely Saul could take the Old Testament. Probably he, once Saul got saved, he sat down with the apostles and goes, Look guys, I learned from Gamaliel, so let me help you with this. You're off here a little bit. Let me, let me help you get this straight. Because he was a scholar. He knew what he's talking about. So be willing to learn and live the facts of Christianity. I know people never had a, a, a theological education, as we would say, but they read their Bible, and they know more about the Bible than most scholars do. Because when they read it, they believe it and obey it. And when you do that, God will give you more wisdom and knowledge than somebody just studies that book the rest of their life. Secondly, don't flounder in the middle. Go hot or go cold, but don't stand in the middle of the road. You know why the chicken crossed the road? Prove to the possum it could be done. But he crossed the road. He didn't stand in the middle of it. Right? Don't stand in the middle of the road. You cannot straddle the fence. Get in or get out. Get on or get off. Get right or get left. And I don't mean that directionally. Get right with God or get left behind. That's what I meant. Because you're either going up or down. Make up your mind. Choose. Do what God's calling you to do. Don't stay in the middle of the road. And thirdly, make the gospel so clear, it causes a reaction in the people around you. Listen, you can't cause a reaction. You can just tell them the truth. But when you tell people the truth, they're going to get mad, they're going to be indifferent, or they're going to accept it. And I know that God's got some people he wants to accept it. And he's dependent on you to tell them about it so they can. 